0: I'm Elizabeth Ames, and this is the Women in Product podcast, where we share the stories of women product leaders, the careers they've built, the challenges they've overcome, and why they love building tech products. This year, the job market has been exceptionally tough, with ongoing layoffs at a wide variety of tech companies. We thought it might be helpful to hear from members of our community on specific approaches to job searching that worked well for them. In our last episode, Hilary Taverna spoke about her success this year, finding a new product manager job with Kickstarter. Hillary was able to leverage her network in an unexpected way to become more visible for the Kickstarter position. In this episode, I speak with Nick Amos, the product manager leader for consumer privacy and fraud operations at Kohl's, Nick shares her unique approach and recommendations for finding and getting a senior level role. Prior to Cole's, Nick has held PM leadership roles at the Department of Defense, Chief Digital and Artificial Intelligence Office, Jade Data Labs, Bitcoin Depot, and WordPay. Nick, welcome to the Women in Product podcast. So, I wanted to kind of start i know this year has been really kind of a tough job market but you landed a new role as product manager leader consumer privacy at Kohl's so i wanted to start by talking a little bit if you could tell me about the role because it's kind of a unique title so it makes it a little bit hard to figure out like what is that role exactly so could you Help us understand that.
1: Yeah. So I work at Kohl's, a very large retailer here in the United States. Um, For consumer privacy, it's really focused on empowering our customers, our consumers to really control the way that their data is used. So that is a role that I was originally hired for Um, about 60 days in my boss said, hey, <laughs> how do you feel about pri- about fraud? And I said, mm, okay. <laughs> and so that is how I am a product manager for consumer privacy and, and fraud.
0: Yeah. And so you're over this f- fairly good size area of things that need to be done that are fairly complex. Some involving UI in front of the customer, some of it sort of more behind the scenes, probably.
1: Yes, Um, and similar to this role, as well as my previous role, I was working for the Department of Defense. I think this role lies heavily in strategy, but also a little bit of like legal and policy. Ah, Yeah,
0: excellent, okay. So how did you find and then
1: land this role? I love telling this story. (laughs) It's nothing too uh, extravagant, but whenever I'm in, I meet people or I'm in a Facebook group and someone asks, does LinkedIn really work? And I'm like, yes, let me tell you how LinkedIn works. I have received my past three or four opportunities from LinkedIn. And with this role in particular, I'll tell anyone like not every company has the budget or they're actually utilizing all the features for for LinkedIn. So sometimes an individual will just post a role that's located within their company. And so I was just doing a search for um, hiring product manager. That's a good search to um, like a Boolean search to do with LinkedIn. And it'll just pull up wherever someone has posted. I'm hiring a product manager in my company. And I saw this opportunity at Kohl's. I reached out to the individual that posted it, and maybe two days later, the recruiter was wanting to schedule an interview. That's a really interesting approach.
0: It's not like you went through all the job listings and looked at them. You you took a completely different approach to finding your way through the data that was there.
1: Yes, Um because I had worked in retail previously. I worked at Home Depot for almost five years. I never thought I would come back to retail. So Kohl's was not actually on my radar, but I'm a Kohl shopper. So when I saw it, I was like, okay, sure, why not? There you go. I love that. That is
0: a great story. So the role that you're in is a it's a pretty senior role within the, the team. Um, so how did you approach that? Like, did you do something substantially different in looking for a more senior level job and, or is it more
1: just accumulation of knowledge over time? It's been an accumulation of knowledge over time, um, but actually a bit of a combination. So an accumulation of knowledge, which is me learning things on my own through independent studies. I, a huge proponent for courses on Udemy and Coursera and YouTube University is my favorite because it's all free. Um, I actually became a product manager because of a $10 Udemy course. I took it five or six years ago, and that is how I was able to transition to become a product manager. Um, so through the accumulation of knowledge, my roles have been in just hopping around to different companies because I don't have this one specific industry background i'm really open to different industries and trying new things Um, and so for some people that looks like you don't have expertise um, but for some people that is a huge positive because they can see that you're not afraid to um, to make changes and learn new things and new industries and new technology
0: yeah it's interesting that you say that because you know, one of the things that we heard numerous times when we did the Path to CPO series was w- women who are now CPOs who had jobs that looked like they didn't quite fit, like they didn't all fit in one industry or one category kind of thing. And all of them said, I really learned a lot by stepping out into a different field. It gave me a fresh perspective. It made me think about things differently, but also part of the reason that I did that was that there was something specific about that job, whether it was scale or sort of a part of the stack or different things like that, that they got to work on, that they hadn't had in their past per se. So it, it really can serve you very well um, to, to move around that way. And sometimes you move around that way and then in retrospect, you can see how it added to your stuff.
1: Yes. When you're on the path, um, sometimes you can't like predict the future. So you don't know where something will lead to, but you know because of the work I've done in the past, working on bug bounties, so I report to... Um, You know, someone who runs security now. So we were able to connect over those things. But previous to that, I didn't have an experience with running bug bounties. That was just something I I learned. So I always like to remind people that a lot of the technology piece that can be learned. That's and then each company you're at will have a very unique way of doing it, their own flavor of it. So those are things that can be learned. It's more of those. I know we call them soft skills, but really those more human skills that I've spent a lot of time really honing and mastering throughout my career. Kind of gives you the chance
0: to look at different approaches, what works, kind of add things into your toolbox in different ways.
1: Yes, because what works at one company may not necessarily work at another company, which can kind of get you into... Mm, not necessarily trouble, but it makes you second guess when you want to be very disciplined in a certain approach or a certain methodology, when really it's like, I've learned this piece, what can I take from this that applies to this, this new opportunity? Yeah.
0: So when you were looking for this position, did you were you very specific about the type of not the domain, because you said you weren't actually looking for retail, but there it popped up. Um, but were there specific things that you were looking for? Did you just cast a really wide net? any, any advice there or, you know, share what you did and then how, how that worked for you?
1: Yes. Um, so I know on a previous episode, someone talked about the, like your job search council and never searching alone. So I was a part of that. And it's very detailed and I like the exercises, but again, you sort of take from that what you need and put your own spin on it. What I found easier to do is to define what I didn't want instead of like, this is my ideal dream list of all of the things. Uh, And so that allowed me to have somewhat of a, some constraints, but also a wider net. So the things that I didn't want, I didn't want to work for a startup. I have a background in B2B, so B2C type things, they're just not necessarily, that's not my strength. So I like B2B or things that are like B2B to C. So that sort of narrow things down even more, but it still left a lot of, like, a lot of space to search for various things So not necessarily focused on a specific industry. I think it's
0: such a good point because I think... For some reason it's so much easier for easier for all of us to say what we don't want than what we do want and sometimes we I don't know don't make that knowledge as valuable as it can be for us right which um it's nice that you used it that way right like that's a that's a great thing to do like I can at least say yeah no, not that's not that stuff for whatever reason yeah. It's mm-hmm. awesome. So because this was a more senior role, did you tailor your resume for a senior role or for that specific role at Kohl's or uh, were there any specific elements or achievements that you kind of went back and highlighted for the particular job?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> um, a. I'm such a huge, uh, another one of your guests was talking about the power of networking. I'm such a huge proponent of networking that quite often in many roles, I've made it through the interview process and someone says, oh, by the way, we actually need you to go in and apply, like technically apply for the role and send us over your resume. And that's very common with the way that I've done things because my LinkedIn profile has everything you would really need. Need to know. So that's that sort of personal branding, um, the personal branding piece. It's there. You know what I'm about. You can easily send that over to a hiring manager. Um, and then when it was time to actually send over the resume, I've given a women in product talk about using AI tools. And the one that I love the most right now is Teal, T E A L. Um, and so you can add the link to the job that you're applying for. Um, and it'll pull up your most current resume that you've highlighted, and then it will highlight a lot of the keywords in the job description that are repeated. So it'll be like a frequency tracker of it. Um, so you just ensure that those words um stand out in the resume that you're applying to. So it really became more of a workflow. So you, ha- I had my main resume, um, and then so for each job that I was actually sending in a resume for, I loaded up to teal look at the keywords, ensure that those keywords with the highest amount of frequency were really highlighted in the resume. Download, send. Over time, this took me about 10 minutes.
0: Pretty darn good use of your time.
1: Yes. It's putting the initial investment up front of getting like, you know, your main primary resume satisfactory to you. Yeah. Um, and, And it's just, altering it for the specific roles.
0: Yeah. That's great. I love that because I think sometimes people think about tailoring it for a particular role and then they're doing it all by hand and it's kind of a nightmare and it takes forever. And then you're sort of like, what resume did I send for what? And um, at least that's been my experience. (laughs) I sort of threw in the towel on that at some point in time. I'm like, I just can't keep track of all of that stuff. So...
1: (laughs) Yes. And, and then also, if the roles you're applying to, again, not necessarily the same industry, but there's some common trends to them. So for me, there's a lot of operations and strategy, perhaps some marketing and leadership involved in it. It don't have to change a lot. It just might be the frequency of certain words. Yeah, that's great.
0: So um, you talked a little bit about networking and connecting uh, with other professionals. But let me first just say, like you are obviously, at least from my standpoint, an extrovert, somebody who likes to connect and talk, and you're a connector, right?
1: Am I right? (laughs) Almost. I'm actually an introvert. I do so many things. Um... Like being out and being social, but my friends know like, okay, by 10 o'clock, I'm going to, it's time to be home and in the bed and like, don't talk to me just for maybe a day or so afterwards. But being a connector, I, I love this. This is something I learned. I learned from my parents, particularly from my mother. Um, When I was maybe 14 or 15, we were in the grocery store and the district manager was there flirting with her. And the whole time he was trying to flirt with her, my mother was like, great, my daughter needs a job. And so he was continuing to try to flirt with her. And she's like, yeah, I hear you, but I don't see you getting her an application. So he just continued to do this. And my mom just sort of followed him, got the application, sat there with me and filled it out while they were chit-chatting. And he handed it back. She handed it back to him. And she was like, "What's, what's the starting rate? And when can she start? So from there, I just learned, one, being bold, asking what you, what you need, and um, just just being a connector. You never know who you may know or who you might have encountered in your lifetime that will be of value to someone you'll meet in the future. That is such a great story. <clears throat> your, I
0: really admire your mother's persistence too. Like a lot of people would have not gone all that way. Like, and where's the application and when can she, like, I, I love that. That's so great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I love the fact that I totally uh, miscategorized you as an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that I say that is because um I think that people who are introverts think that they can never, that that's it, right? Like it's beyond to them. And I always try and encourage people, like there are skills that you can learn that will make you better at that,
1: right? Online communities have been my best and favorite, like the best thing I could go through the longest list. Uh, This is something like a side thing when people are like, I'm interested in this. I'm like, well, let me see if I can find you an online community so you can get connected with people. Um, So women in Product, again, fabulous. I joined women in product when I was a very baby junior product manager after I took that $10 course. And from there, I was just obsessed with the community because I would ask a question and Not only were people willing to help me, the women in the community, they went above and beyond. They were like, let me help you with your resume. Let's do some mock interviews. Let me introduce you to some people. And so because of that, I'm just a huge proponent of women and product first. Um, But then there's so many other online communities. Um, I think communities is a way to scale your networking. So it's one way to be like one-on-one, but initially it's like a funnel, <laughs> a sales funnel. I can talk one-on-one to people, but I need to get a, a large a mass of people to, we have something in common. And so going to a men in product, event, like the special events, I was a part of the, the one of the leadership mentor circles right now I'm leading a mentorship circle. So I always think of communities as a way to scale your network and you're going from a one-to-one to to a one-to-many.
0: Yeah. I think that you're right. And I think the other thing is when you find the right community, it's a safe place. You don't have to worry about, Oh, I said the wrong thing or, Oh, I put my foot in my mouth or I, Oh, I look like an idiot in front of people who are going to judge me. Um, Because generally especially I think in women in product, but I've seen this in other communities that are similar that people are like, don't, don't worry about that. We've all, we all had that stupid question. It's not stupid. Don't worry. Right. You know, it just really helps you kind of get your footing a little bit and then feel more comfortable. I think once you have that practice, it's like speaking in public. It's really hard the first few times. And I remember I had a speech coach at one point in time who said to me like, are you nervous? And I was like, yeah, I'm really nervous. And she was like, good. You're always going to be nervous when you speak, but if you do it enough, you'll learn how to channel that energy so that you're projecting what you're saying to the crowd and giving them your energy. Right. And they'll give it back. Right. Um, And that's true. And so you might be nervous, but you still can be confident and comfortable right um, And I think it's the same thing with networking. you it's a muscle. you use it it gets stronger.
1: Yes and I will use this word of being bold again. I know we may have this perception that our immediate network that you know I worked with Sally and I worked with Tom, that is my network. That's a piece of your network, but actually I want people to think of their network as complete strangers. I've received the majority of assistance from absolute total (laughs) complete strangers from Facebook and Slack communities, um, and then just reaching out to strangers on LinkedIn. So I might listen to a podcast and I'll send a request message to one of the guests, just letting them know what I learned. Thank you so much. Then um, they're like, "Well, whatever you need, <laughs> feel free to to ask me to reach out. Do you want a coffee chat?" Um, so, be bold. Be bold. I
0: think that's a great that's a great comment. Mm-hmm. So, to kind of go back to your job search, tell me a little bit about the interview process. I loved your st- you, that you go through the whole process, and then people have to remind you to actually apply. But um, <laughs> tell tell us a little about that interview process and you know, was it different from earlier roles? I mean, uh, did you feel like as you advanced higher up in the organization that what the interview involved changed in some way?
1: Yes. And I'll also, like, I definitely want to acknowledge that the things that I had to prepare for in 2023 were 10 times more challenging than what I had to do in 2020 or 2021. So I, when people are saying this job market and the job search is different, they are not wrong. I experienced the same thing. Um, But once I got past that initial shock, I just needed to realize like what was being expected of me. I felt that the interviews were following more of a, like a big tech, Type process. Mm. So even from friends who were saying they were interviewing for very junior level roles, they were like, I feel like this is a, a, a fang, a, a manga type uh, interview process. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, like, that was a change. Um, Take home assignments were more common. Um, and then also, really speaking to metrics. I think now more than, than before your ability to run experiments and speak to the metrics that you've completed throughout your, your work and your, in your past experience was really crucial. So I needed to be able to explain what I did and what was the outcome for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. I mean, boy, I have heard this from quite a few people about how much more difficult the process is and um, that at every level they're asking people to kind of dig deeper. I mean, to do higher level things, to do more of them in detail, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Yes. Again, with that boldness, but also if you're with a company and you're on round six, round seven, and no one is giving you feedback or you feel like they're stalling on the process, just email them. And like, this is where we are. This is what I've demonstrated in the interview process, as well as in my previous work experience. When do you intend to make a decision? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I like that a lot because it's asserting that your time is valuable and that um, you're not just a passive participant in the process. And actually, from the point of view of hiring people, it's like you want people who are you know, willing to take charge of things, I guess, or not, not just drift along with whatever's going on
1: yes i made that mistake this is why i'm telling people i was maybe in two different companies i think i had gone through six or seven rounds and i was like wait a minute this feels excessive
0: yeah it is kind of and sometimes it's a little bit of a warning sign about that organization in some way shape or form right like either they're not clear on what they're really looking for and so they're internally discussing that or that they have disagreements on different things or maybe they don't have the money for the position or whatever I, I don't know it always seems a little like hmm, yeah so um you you did talk about the you know the work that you did uh, projects etc like are there questions that candidates should anticipate or uh, how can they prepare, be better prepared so they're not at the last minute kind of jumping through, cramming the night before the exam?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, well, when I, I met a, a fellow PM, a, a good friend through one of the leadership cohorts from Women in Product, and we both purchased this really great product manager sort of interview course And this is what we did every week. We would go through different examples and we would quiz each other. And so I had to pull up some of our notes. The thing that everyone's going to ask you about, of course, are your behavioral questions. So tell me about yourself. Tell me about a time you failed. Tell me about dealing with a difficult stakeholder. Um, How have you used data or A-B testing to form a decision? So that's That's like the first level of questioning to sort of get through. And then from there, you'll move into product sense or like product design. So um, they may give you an example or a scenario. And then I like to tell people to like pick a couple of user segments for this, identify their pain points, what metrics are you going to use to measure it, and then show that you can prioritize. And then some additional ones might be tell me about your favorite product. And then this sounds like a really easy question, um, but you should go into explaining like some of the features, why you use it. Do you think there is an alternative use case for it? And then the follow-up question to this nine times out of 10 is, how would you improve this product? So be prepared to, to address that. And then maybe an execution question. Um, so then understanding like what's happening in the market, what's your mission, what's the customer's user journey going to be like, and then going back to identifying some key metrics that you can measure. And then how would you prioritize those? That is a great list. Everybody rewind now and play that
0: again and write those things down. Cause I think that will come in super handy, right? Like not complicated, but these are all <clears throat> things that if you have done a little bit of preparation, you can just
1: say them like that and
0: it makes a huge difference. And I can
1: recall these because I have them in a Google Doc. I know I've met many people and they say, you know, they've got plenty of notebooks, they make post-its. I don't, that's not the best process for me. So I like it that it's just all in one place. It's pretty well organized. So when someone asks you a question about estimation, which I rarely get at this stage, you can just do a control F and start typing out estimation and pull up your example right there. You don't have to scramble or turn pages or look through various things. Nice. I like it. I'm a big proponent of like
0: having somebody ask you that question and having you have to say it because, you know, It's always different the first time you say something versus the 10th time you say it where where you're like very succinct and right to the
1: point and, you know, have it in control. So going through the course, there were, it's good because the other person, whoever it may be, you get to partner with you, you get to the end of your example and you ask them to ask you some probing questions. So like, why did you choose this segment over the other why did you choose this metric? Um, how, what would have what would you have done different? These are some questions, and then eventually, there were only about four or five true questions that I found as a PM. All mm-hmm. of the rest of them are variations on about maybe five or six key questions. So, if you could answer these five or six key questions, these various spinoffs of them will still feel familiar to you yeah
0: I love that you two of you bought this course and then worked together on like that's a genius idea I would never have thought of that but I I totally love that idea It's like having a preparation buddy and you know everything always seems better when you have a buddy working with you on it like there's uh, you I always say to people, like, I have to pay a trainer to work out with me because I will never go to the gym on my own. But if it's on my calendar and I have to pay somebody, I will show up every single time. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like when you have responsibility to somebody, it it kind of forces that like, yeah, I, I actually have to do this. I have to show up. I have to do the work. I, ha- I can't dawdle and waste time and stuff. So, Yeah anyway 100%. and mm-hmm. just you get the benefit of their insight of like what you're doing right like it's not just you thinking it in your head somebody else is listening to you and saying that eh, that's makes sense
1: can you do that again yes and it's nice to ask um like your family and friends <laughs> but it's totally different when you ask a fellow product manager to do these yes. things with you yes
0: yeah they're gonna they're gonna hold you to account they're not gonna let you run some baloney by them yeah there you go so hey it's been great talking to you you've had so many good ideas like I'm like oh my gosh that's a good one um (laughs) but like what advice would you give to like I would say in particular those people who are sort of going for more senior roles but it could be across the board like what advice would you give them in this current job market
1: I think about that that book I had to read a bazillion years ago of like going from good to great. <laughs> it was basically like the things we've done so far, like that's good, that got us what we needed to do. But like, what are the things we need to do uh, in this next phase to be great? And just from talking to other, other PMs and other just professionals in tech in general, I meet so many incredibly talented people that have a level of fear of just putting themselves out there. Um, and so, again, I'm like, I'm gonna repeat myself of like, be bold. So when you're reaching out to people, tell them what you need. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, if you had an opportunity at Women in Product, I would say, hi, Elizabeth. I'm Nick Amos. Previously, I've done X, Y, and Z that led to 100% growth. I see that you're currently hiring for a product manager role. I would love the opportunity to interview for this. Are you available next week to talk about this? I love it.
0: I am with you. Like, be, Ask for what you want, right? Ask for
1: what you want often what I see is people will just send like a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm like, okay, that's, thank you. (laughs) Do you you need something? Can I help you? Or something else I'll add. I know I'm telling people to like reach out and be bold, but that doesn't only mean to bombard the hiring manager or the recruiter there are probably 10 other groups or 100 other people within this company that you can reach out to. I often reach out to people in titles mean nothing to me. I'll just say this. So I re- my career started in the call center. So I'll reach out to people in the call center and I'll talk to them because they know about the product. They know about the company very well. Um, reach out to salespeople. Salespeople love to talk. Ask them for a demo on the product. They're more than happy to give you a demo. Like let them know I'm interviewing for this role, but I would love a demo on this particular tool or this feature. Um, And so when you're talking to people, if you get, when you get to the hiring process or you're reaching out to someone at a higher level, you can say, I've already had a demo of the product or I've spoken to so-and-so in the contact center. And I'm very familiar with some of the pain points that you're currently experiencing. That's like, it's
0: a good way of, getting the landscape, doing your homework, understanding what their challenges are, but also kind of digging in to understand the organization and giving you a leg up in terms of knowledge, insight, et cetera.
1: Yes. This also gives you insight if if this is a company that you actually want to work for. I am
0: so with you on that one. I think, especially in this current environment, it's, And I don't want to uh, dismiss people who really urgently for economic reasons need a job, but it's easy to get in that mode of like, well, I'll take whatever job comes along. Right. And sometimes that just gets you into deep trouble. Um, But even if you end up taking it, at least you'll know what you're taking. At least you'll understand what you're stepping into. And that gives you, a leg up in dealing with whatever comes your way. It's been great talking to you. You had so many great suggestions. I love
1: it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm honored.
0: Thank you for listening. And thanks also to our partner Discover, who provides annual support for the work of Women in Product. And thank you to our community. This podcast is an original production of Women in Product. Follow us on Apple Podcast and leave us a review so that others can discover us. Android users, find us on Spotify or share this episode with others who you think would find it interesting.